and welcome to Imagine Me and Yuri Kuma. I am Panda, I am your host, and I'm here with my co-host Alice. How you doing, Alice? I'm doing all right. And we are also here with your lovely wife, Cass. Hi, Cass. Hello. And Abby. Hey, uh. And we are picking up with the Yuri Bear Storm manga. We are starting volume three. So we're going to be starting with chapter 18. And Cass, would you like to tell us about chapter 18? I would love to. So we're beginning on a splash page. Our splash page for this episode is uh, Yuri Zono focused of all characters. She hasn't (laughs) been important yet. Now she might be. No, I wouldn't count on it for this episode. God, the Asuka energy is so strong still. It really is. Yep, it's Yurizono Mitsuko and Eriko at the beach. Eriko also has only shown up one other time in this manga, which I know because I had to look up her name again. I was gonna say, I did not remember who that was. <laughs> I'm gonna be real, uh, this reads very much as the manga artist just went like, here are all the anime characters I wanted to draw and I haven't been able to yet. Oh, for sure. Here are all the anime characters I wanted to draw in bikinis on the beach for some reason. Yep, so... <clears throat> we pick up where the last volume ended with Koreha and Ginko out in the rain. And at this point, first of all, we have another Leia Rea mix up. That's going to happen a lot in this book. It's all over this book. I think because this is the most they've used her name. Yeah, oh, they are a little bit confused on the translation department. I wonder if they were like ping ponging between two different translators. No idea. Oh, man. I just see that and think Star Wars. Right? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Oh, I wanted to tell Abby, I remembered, or I had a realization about uh, who Kale reminds me of as a character. Oh, yes, yes. She reminds me of Kaoruko from Review Starlight. Oh my god, that's why I hate her. Yeah, that's, I had that realization. (laughs) I was like, this is why Abby hates her, is because she's kind of like Kaoruko. Oh my god. I mean, I literally have the same reaction in Review Starlin and Futaba, get out of this toxic relationship. You can mm-hmm. do so much better. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. <laughs> Futaba and Yuri should, like, hook up. I mean, obviously, like, assuming they're both adults, but Jesus. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, so Ginko tells Koreha, hey, Koreha, if you think back, you should remember why your mom died, and you should remember the day we met our promise, and my crime. And Kureha begins wondering if she has forgotten something. So we will flash back now to Kale's house, where Yurieka just grabs Lulu's wrist while she is in the bath and just says, and while Kale like tells her, like, don't interfere. Because this is, uh, at the end of the last chapter, Lulu was trying to kill Kale in the bath. Yeah. yeah. So Yurieka is trying to intervene. Yeah, so Yurieka intervenes, pulls Lulu's hand away and says, Kali, I don't care if, particularly care whether you live or die, which uh, X'd it out, <laughs> uh, but you can continue this in Japan. And kind oh, of clarifies, so like, funny. first of all, we should go home. Lulu isn't the one who deserves to get revenge. Kureha does. Mm-hmm. It is something, too, I think is really interesting for Yurika. Like, this whole I don't care if you live or die, like, this coldness. It's like, her characterization is a bit strange that like it's this really inconsistent she's definitely i mean she's really interesting but hard to get a read on in that regard like i think there's some truth yeah. to it but there's also not i'm reading there that like this is 
about the highest level of frustration she's had with Kale in mm. their entire toxic relationship. And she's just letting that kind of flow out into her interaction with her. Like, if you're gonna... Because she clearly cares about Kale a lot. And this is yeah. just her, her sort of going like, fine, if you don't care whether you live or die, I don't care either if you're gonna be like that. But we should actually... You should actually take some modicum of responsibility toward these kids. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of reading that, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, Alice, do you mind taking over for me here? I'm having a hard time kind of focusing. Yeah. Well, you know, we're actually about to get into some Eureka backstory. So, Abby, would you like to... Yes. Yeah, that's like, actually that's a great idea. Would you like to take the reins as we find out all about Eureka's past? Let's get we'll get to the heart of the yearning. Let's go for it. <laughs> Cut to the feeling, as it were, to quote. Yeah. <laughs> our lord and savior carberry jepson um alrighty so yeah we step into flashbacks and get a lovely shot of older eureka flashing back to younger eureka and we learn that there's um this ever since this time she's grown up in this traditional japanese house and we learn that at this point in their flashback tomorrow her brother's fiance will come to greet them and mom wants eureka to create a bouquet for the fiance with her flowers and eureka's not having it honestly those are her flowers they're her flowers she's raised them she doesn't want to give them to some like rando Mm -hmm. and her mom just basically calls her heartless and says that she's so different from her brother well no we don't really see i we don't see see at all like men are for sure yeah yeah like men who are they <laughs> never heard of them yeah and eureka you know protests like she doesn't care and her mom should just give her brother the state instead and her mom actually says you know she wishes she could and you see her kind of like in shadow and this is obviously you know a little upsetting for her and you know they learn that the their home the hakonaka estate has been passed down to the women in their family for generations and Traditionally, the men in the family marry a woman chosen by the family. So Eureka's mother doted on her brother while shunning Eureka. And, you know, while Eureka is... um, Oh, and Eureka's mother says she she hadn't even given birth to Eureka, so that way her brother could have the estate instead. So classic, wish you hadn't been born, parent trauma. Just a real classic way to fuck up your child. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, they're really traditional in many ways. traditional. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, And we see Eureka kind of cutting the flowers, being like, okay, this should be enough for my brother's fiancé. And we get a shot of her very Utena-esque in a box. There's some very Utena energy in these chapters. Oh, for sure. Curled in the box saying, my life is so restricted, it's hard to even breathe. It feels like I'm locked up in a box. Which definitely is very interesting, having read this first and then going to anime when there's also a lot of references to boxes, but... In a very different way, especially yeah, the, when it comes to her. The box imagery is very different. It's always really heartbreaking when you see a character like like really incensed and say they're not going to do something. And then the next scene is them doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I like you know, in your notes, Panda. It's the return of the anime's bride in a box imagery. Mm-hmm. That's what we have. And we get this nice little, again, Utena-esque kind of reference, I would say, where Eureka hears music. And realizes that piano practice must have finally started. She's listening to the piano in front of the school's flower garden. 
as you do in Nikuharu anything. <laughs> and it's this kind of, you know, the only tranquility she can really find at that point in her life is is these kinds of moments. Today, she hears that the person who plays the piano is playing Ave Maria. She thinks it's gentle and kind, and she wonders who's playing. And we, as we the readers, have the insight that it's Rhea who is playing. And it's at this point, oh, this this moment gets me. Mm-hmm. Yurika realizes she can just leave. Like if she, you know, very Nanami energy, I think, you know, oh, right? yeah. like, oh, if she feels constrained by this box, she can just leave her family and be free. She'll go to the outside world. Oh my gosh. And then we have this kind of, she's wafted with the scent of lilies and we, ha- we see Kale jump on her back <sighs> and she's grounded again. And she, you get her she's kind of blushy. Kali's saying she found her. And Kali introduces herself as Yurika's brother's fiance. Yurika is pretty surprised to see that this is who her brother's engaged to and thinks the normal, as Panda notes, very normal heterosexual thoughts about how thin and delicate her fingers are. So <laughs> feminine, just casual. I'm honestly, given that this is an Ikuhara joint, I'm surprised we didn't get some sort of line about like, oh, I thought you were a boy or something. Honestly, honestly, yeah. Yeah. Very big um, Haruka, like, intro energy. Oh, too. yeah. Like, kind of like a combination. Like, she definitely, she has the shorter hair, so mm-hmm. it definitely has the Haruka energy, but it's interesting that Yurika kind of focuses on the more feminine aspects. Yeah. Because um, it's not what all the other characters see in her. Yeah. Sure. And as you know, Panda, Kale is such a fucking lady killer, lol. I would say, no, I would personally note lady killer derogatory, but that, oh, sure. I suppose, is pick your poison. Nope, we won't, we won't shame you there. For me, it's like derogatory, but kind of with a little winky face because, you know, like sometimes I like trash. Exactly. If this is your brand of trash, I think it's <laughs> it's not the worst trash. It's understandable. It is, especially at this point, like in the flashback, if we're thinking about her, I think she's pretty inoffensive at this point, honestly. Like, at this point, she's kind of just like, what if Saya kind of sucked a little bit? Exactly. I was I was like I couldn't put my finger on it. That's like someone this reminds me of Oh, it's Saya. I was scared to <laughs> compare to say uh, on the scale of uh Ikuhara trash, she's currently at about the like the four mark where ten is Akio and like seven is Toga. Hmm. I would say yeah. that right now that's fair. Yeah. Exactly. Like I really like it's interesting because I hate this character. I think that's been apparent this entire podcast. <laughs> um, at this point, it's like she's just kind of the stereotypical, like you know, vaguely mask woman, which mm-hmm. is a pretty common. She's a stock character from like another Yuri manga who's mm-hmm. wandered into this Yuri manga. That's exactly what it feels like, honestly. These are Ikuhara's lesbian Barbies that he's playing out his own. Oh story my with. god! It really, yeah. Oh my god, that. Yeah, that really... He just kind of swaps the hair colors from time to time to keep mm-hmm. it interesting for himself. Mm-hmm. So Kali says she's surprised to see Eureka, and Eureka asks why, and Kale shows her a drawing she did of a bear, saying, <laughs> doesn't it look just like you? And we see it's like, basically the, the little bear Eureka design that we've been seeing. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite visual gags of the entire manga, where Eureka's mm-hmm. like face just turns into like an exact copy of the bear face. It makes the same face! It's so huh? good! <laughs> Also, do you guys kind of notice that, like, the bear, Eureka bear, has the hair that she will have 
in the future, but not the hair she has now. It's it's the same bangs. She just yeah. doesn't give her the yeah. rest of it. I noticed that too, and like, but once you actually look like, you can sort of separate out the bangs as one aspect of the hair, and that's what she kind of you you got me, uh, Ikuhara. Maybe bears are supernatural. Maybe <laughs> bears are in fact the beginning and ending of all things. Oh my god! <laughs> oh jeez. Anyway, we get more insight into Kali's character was that she's really into bears. Um, As we learned, she drew a girl she'd like to be with, but she never imagined she'd actually meet her. And Eureka, you know, understandably is like, it It doesn't look like me at all. It It's to start with, it looks like a bear. It doesn't just look like a bear, Kali says. It is a bear. <laughs> and it's there's a lot of back and forth, but Eureka is... A bit of a disaster who is easily swayed by mm-hmm. Kale saying you look beautiful and you're angry too grabbing her face and she gets super blushy I'm not beautiful she's so weird my mother always says I'm terrible unlike my brother and Kale just does that whole grabs her from behind and kisses her hand about she's beautiful you're my precious sister-in-law <laughs> the beautiful Eureka just normal Yuri manga things if I'm honest <laughs> I, I really want to get my hands on a copy of this that preserves honorifics again because mm. I need to know if she went full first name drop the uh, the honorific there because oh, that would be that would be not only a smooth move but a minor invasion of privacy but also in like it would be a it would, would be very in character yeah it would be yeah I I would need to know if she did that especially because of you know. Eureka's reaction is, you know, just kind of very blushy and an awe. Mm-hmm. And this note that the scent of lilies is flowing throughout my body, which unfortunately unlocked the memory of me watching Naruto the last movie when Hinata <laughs> says that Naruto's chakra is flowing through her veins. I can never forget that I, um, in a bad way. I, what happened in the Naruto movie? What the fuck? It's the Naruto. The last movie is essentially a Naruhina fan fiction. I did not realize this when I saw it in France, dubbed in French, sitting in a theater, angry by myself. I didn't realize this was the one you saw in France. It was. I I, I think I need to watch this now. This sounds great. There's a scarf that she knits. There's a whole motif. It is. It is just a fanfic. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. If you like Naruhina, it'll be your shit. If you don't like me, you will be filled with rage. <laughs> There was not a Shikamaru to get me through that movie. Anyway, that's a tangent. <laughs> and that's been Naruto Corner. Abby's been the Naruto, Naruto the last. It's, unfortunately, it lives in my brain rent-free. Um, but <laughs> anything to distract us from the fact that Ikuhara is really, really fixated on scents of flowers. Which, you know, scents do have a really powerful like memory, all, like, memory. exactly um and we switch to some kind of panels of yuriko and kale being intimate they're sort of floating in yuri space again yeah floating in space very kind of vague you can tell they're both unclothed and kale asked yuriko where she was going to go when we remember she was like i'm gonna leave i just leave my box and Yurika doesn't understand what she's talking about. She doesn't remember. She's forgotten. I think this is implied to be a time skip of some variety. If not after the marriage, then definitely like... It's not after the marriage because we get after the marriage later. Yeah, Yeah, the the courtship is 
it's during the courtship, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they start sleeping together while they're engaged. She's engaged. Colin's first crime is ruining Eureka's entire uh, escape by accidentally being in the wrong place at the wrong time to convince her to stay in a toxic environment that was not good for her to begin with. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we get this further um, underscored with another shot of Eureka still on the box. Now it's an energy intensified. Yeah, laying on a bed of lilies. I was I was put inside the box Calais made for me. No, it's just that I decided not to leave it. And uh, this just gets me because mm-hmm. she does have the self-awareness that, you know, maybe Kale had a hand in this, but ultimately she's the one who didn't decide to leave. She's mm-hmm. stuck herself in this in the situation. Ugh, just mm-hmm. uh, get this woman a good therapist and help her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we get some kind of, you know, cute moments, you know, of them back and forth, which again, at this point, I think it's still, you know, I mean, she's still sleeping with her brother's fiance. So there's that. But that's less the issue here than just she's, you know, she's limiting herself. Mm-hmm. They're doing art class together. And she was happy because for the first time in my life, I had met someone who treasured me. So kind of that first time actually feeling like she has value as yeah. a person. It's like, it's not Oh great, my god, I just I realized that Conway's painting a picture of a little bear girl in the exact style that all of the bear girls appear in, mm-hmm. in during your approval. God damn it, Ikuhara, I hate this yeah, she's um, cruelty. She's drawing Yurieka because Yurieka is complaining in this scene about like why do you always draw me as a bear. Yeah. Oh God, I, I like your head cannon here. Do you want to share it, Pan? Oh yes, uh, my head cannon is that Kale always draws bears and specifically bear girls because she cannot draw hands. <laughs> Honestly, it's a mood. Uh, you know what? Same. She puts them in the little bear mittens so that, and she wear, draws a little bear paws so she doesn't have to draw hands. As far as I'm concerned, that's canon. <laughs> Absolutely, totally canon. And at this point, they're still, you know, kind of doing doing the this the school kind of romance vibe with Kale pulling on Yurika's little tie to pull her close as they're kind of mm-hmm. bickering. And Yurika is saying, as Kale holds her, I wonder if you'll really be able to marry my brother. And Colin is just as pretty to the point, honestly. You know, of course I can. We just have to submit some forms to the city hall. Yurika says that's not what I meant. And she knows it. Mm-hmm. As Kali kind of just keeps kissing her um, neck. And Yurika says, despite that, I couldn't make myself stay away from her. So I get it. You know, pretty. like, mm-hmm. it sucks. But, like, when you're queer in a place where that's not like the norm and you are experiencing somebody giving you this kind of attention for the first time in a way that like you actually want it makes sense i mean there's a there's a reason why there's a lot of those kind of toxic relationships especially Mm -hmm. among queer people because it's like oh this is all i have this is Mm -hmm. this first thing i've ever had it's the only thing i'm ever gonna have she's 17 like it's the time honestly i did so many dumb things when I was 17. Yeah. I think what's tragic about this is seeing how little it's changed now mm-hmm. that they're fully now that they're adults, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I wasn't allowed to be do dumb things when I was 17. I was incapable because I had a curfew. And it was very, very early. I had a curfew too, but like that doesn't stop somebody from like emotionally abusing you over Yahoo Instant Messenger. <laughs> oh, oh, that was specific. 
I, I cannot begin to describe to you how how in the woods I lived when I was 17 and how fucked I have become from years of being kind of cut off from normal social functions after years of self-isolating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between I don't want to go and now I can't. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's really what we're seeing with Eureka, right? That it's like, you know, first it became something like I chose not to leave, but then when you keep choosing not to, it's like that the the lid on the coffin, right? It feels heavier and heavier and it's like I can yeah, never push it, this aside. It's a sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. Which is really dark when we get the chapter nineteen opener, which is still Eureka presumably um yep. yeah, reminiscing it's about how lilies bloom beautifully but when they wither, you cut them and throw them away. And I love the way that this is drawn here because she's using a little pair of garden snippers to cut down a lily flower, mm-hmm. which has one flower that's standing tall and beautiful and one that's kind of drooping and wilted, much like how Kare is absolutely still okay with her relationship and she is the one who is beginning to have misgivings. Yeah. You can see how even the one that's standing up taller has a little bit of wilt at the bottom. Yeah, at the very bottom. They're hanging on by a thread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but really notably here, she's cutting it from the bottom of the stem rather than cutting the one that's just screwed up. Mm-hmm. Which kind of implies that like whatever good there is in this, she is sort of throwing it all away. Mm-hmm. It's they're going down together. Hand in unlovable hand? I should have put that in my fucking sound. Oh uh, yeah, board. it's very it's very no children. We're like this I is I hope the you point. live. I hope we both live. <laughs> God damn it. This is very much the point of like this relationship is about to become toxic codependency and we are both going to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. I would, we're going to keep doing it anyway. I would, say I would like the like audience that, to yeah. know that almost every single day I pick my cat up like a baby, and my wife and I sing to my cat, Paw, lovable paw, you are a cat. You are a dumb cat. It's true. We sing at each other a lot in this house. (laughs) But if I throw away the withered ones, my garden will be only full of, will be full of only beautiful flowers. Big Syriaca. God, this is just such a mood. Just the... Her very well-tended garden, and she's holding the dead lily. Yeah, this idea that if she just gets rid of everything that's bad, you know, it'll only be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, I mean, is really a reflection of how her parents <laughs> raised her. Oh, yeah. And it's reflected in, like, her character design and how she holds herself, right? Like, if you yeah. present yourself a certain way, everything's going to be fine, right? Like, you're not, you're not getting literally to the root of the problem, but as long as everything appears fine, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get Kale of all people telling her, you know, that the flowers won't bloom next year if she doesn't if she uh, cuts them so much, and she just kind of protests and goes like, "Yeah, they'd wither and die anyway. It's better for them to not bloom at all." <laughs> and Kale just goes like, oh, "That may be true." <laughs> God damn it! These two are idiots. Yeah. Uh... So we get. A little scene of Kale sketching, and Yurieka asks why Kale wanted to marry her brother. And Kale's just like, eh, that's just what was decided. And very notably, what she's sketching here is little bear sonas of her and Yurieka, each in their own box. Mm-hmm. Yep. The boxes are next to each other, but they are not, they're not the same box. Yeah. And she, 
uh, Kali kind of goes, I'm the only daughter of the Yurishiro family, yeah, so this is what was decided. And she and Kali kind of bond over that sort of f- sense of family obligation and how much they hate it. And Yurieka kind of brings up the idea, like, why don't we just leave the boxes? And yeah. Kali, drawn as her little bear Sona lounging in her box, whereas Yurieka is like, excitedly leaning out of hers like just say the word i'm getting out of here Mm -hmm. goes i don't think it'd be much different outside of them we'd just be bound by other obligations uh yeah is there anywhere in particular you want to go yurieka nope nothing we're fine where we are (laughs) it's just it breaks my heart because it's just like just because she doesn't know where she wants to go she's just Mm -hmm. like well then let's just stay here it's so much more comfortable so much more warm and just literally like I mean, I saw Let's stay in this cozy coffin together. Quite literally. I mean, I like... Mean, I I can't really be that mad at Kali even because I've felt like that before where I've had phases of my life where I can tell that the place I'm in is bad for me, but the idea of going somewhere else is so overwhelming and scary and here is comfortable enough that I'd rather just take all the bad things of staying here than do anything scary oh absolutely oh for sure but it's it's just heartbreaking it's for both of them i think i've overcome that like maybe twice in my life and one of them was moving to mississippi Mm -hmm. yeah like i don't know maybe it's sympathy for the devil here but i i kind of feel for kale in the way of like you are absolute garbage as a human being but i understand your brand of garbage Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no i get it it's just oh god i just realized why i like kale like it's that. like looking at a version of myself and going like, oh, thank God I'm not that. <laughs> Finally, someone I can positively compare myself to. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really fair. And and again, I think it's a lot more sympathetic when they're still pretty young. And yeah. I think that's that's what bothers me the most is it's like this how much this dynamic has not changed. Like she's actively holding Eureka back. Like in this point, it's like a little less gross in the sense that it's like okay they're both kind of content to stay here maybe it's not the best thing for them but uh. yeah just real rough so Kali invites Yurieka over and her little bear sort of crawls over into Kali's box and they hug and Kali kind of goes we're very similar and we get a little bit of the two of them kissing as Yurieka sort of reminisces that both of our hearts are empty and so we would try and help each other fill up that space we only put nice, lovely things inside our boxes, and we threw out the things that we didn't want into the world. And I don't know if this is meant to be like the next day or a few days later, but Yurika just walks up and her lily bed's empty, just like her, she says. <laughs> uh, at which point, someone walks in and picks up the dead lily flower off the ground, and oh my god, why is Rhea so cute? Did, did Kuriha and Sumika have a child? <laughs> With Kuriha, but her eyes were bigger. Yes. <laughs> I mean, literally, that is the, the main distinction here, is that her eyes are that's, much bigger. That's why I'm reading Sumika, isn't it? Because her eyes have that, like, exact well, ballet proportion. Put, put a pin in that, but also, I think it's worth noting that this is, like, what if Kuriha, but she didn't have a sad dead mom backstory? Actually, fair. And Rhea's just like, this was such a pretty flower, I didn't even stop to think before picking it up. Did you grow it? And Yurieka just kind of like throws shade on the flower and just goes, if you want it, you can have it. Oh, great, thanks! 
which is just a great little interaction of like, I love it. This is one of my favorite kinds of interaction I've had where like, you're in like a really bad mood and you're super depressed and you run into someone who's just irrepressibly nice and happy and you, you try and like project them away with your, you know, don't come into my life right now. It's all dark and terrible. You don't <laughs> want to be near me. And they're just like, you seem nice. <laughs> yeah. Flowers are cool. I have been Eureka in this situation so many times, and it is the worst thing. I have I have I ever been Rhea for you in this situation. Who hasn't been? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and symbolically too, I mean I think we get it a little more as the dialogue continues, but it's like I mean, I think this Lily is a lot how probably Eureka sees herself like yes. just kind of withering away and she's not really I mean, like we knew in the beginning when Kale kind of fixates on her, right? But she doesn't think really much of herself mm-hmm, and doesn't really yeah. think she's beautiful, doesn't really think she's worth anything. Mm-hmm. But Kureha sees value in this dying flower, you know. It's Rhea, not Kureha. Yeah. Oh, sorry, not Kureha. Yeah, yeah Rhea. Kureha version one. I did that so many times. Kureha before the patch. Oh my god, yeah, it just... She does look a little different, for sure. Like, her hair's a little different, and mm-hmm. she's yeah. almost a, a little more earnest, I would say. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, so Rhea sees the, the value in this flower, where yeah. Eureka doesn't. Yep. In fact, if we want to go deeper, like, Eureka specifically says the flower bed is like me, not just an individual flower. Mm-hmm. And she's been throwing away these little sad bits of this whole time. So maybe the read here is Rhea sees value in the things about herself that Eureka has thrown away that are kind of like hollowing her out in her own mind. At her point of absolute negative self-image, one of the things she doesn't see as cool about herself is something that Rhea finds beautiful. And Rhea sings a little song about Mondays bringing white lilies, Thursdays bling blue ribbons, and Eureka realizes, hey, I know that song. Rhea apparently wrote it, and it's the melody she heard played on the piano. And she just goes like, hey, I I love it when you play piano. You're really cool. You're the one I've been listening to this whole time. Can, we, can you please sing the rest for me? And I, I get the feeling she was crushing just a tiny bit here. The very heterosexual thought of, like, her feminine voice rings through my chest. Yeah. I love that, like, this song is literally just called Things I Like. Yeah. It's very, um, I guess, like, without music, it's hard to tell what's going on here. But I'm guessing this is something in the vein of uh, my favorite things from Sound of Music. Oh yeah, going through every day of the week and like kind of talking about all the little things she likes. Mondays bring white lilies, Thursdays blue ribbons, Wednesdays pink shoes, Thursdays green gloves, Fridays lavender dresses, Saturdays are golden pensions. And then on Sundays, I found you. And there's a little picture of her opening a little treasure of of a little girl version of Rhea opening a treasure box and inside is Yurika's little bear form. She's she's getting her out of the box. Yeah, I found on uh, Sundays, friend. she found a precious friend. It's so good. They're with their hug and like, oh my god, this is adorable. It's, ah! so cute. it's so good. It's so good. So Rhea became friends with Yurieka. And that's the story of how I met your Aunt Robin. <laughs> so we kind of flash forward in time again. And Rhea has met Yurieka on what looks like... Ah, this is the flower bed again. And... Yeah. Apparently she's 30 minutes late. (laughs) (laughs) 
but she made a little bento box with octopus wieners in it. And she just, like, feeds them to Eureka, and Eureka's like, you're not listening to me lecture you about being late, because she's <laughs> too busy getting Scooby-snapped. It's really precious. I know. So cute. And she describes this as like, my entire life has changed now that I've left the box, and new flowers are beginning to grow. So Eureka's just, her whole life's turned around by the presence of Rhea in it. Yeah, it's just honestly like, I've forgotten how much I liked this. It's just like such a wholesome relationship in contrast to her relationship with Kale. And like truly something that, you know, I think could benefit both of them. Like sometimes those people come into your lives to just make an impact and help you see things in a new way. Mm -hmm. And it's just... The final boss uh, of this entire manga is Kureha's dad who ruined this perfect romance. (laughs) uh, Yeah, just... (laughs) That the thruple be we deserved, as as per usual, right? <laughs> yep. Everything ruined by men in the end. We found the way. <laughs> so, Rhea's asking what Eureka wants for her 17th birthday. And she's like, oh, I'll take anything you give me. And, you know, her hope's been kind of restored. The flowers are regrowing. Eureka's excited about the flowers returning to the ground and blooming again in the next year. And she then begins to realize, hey, I haven't seen Kale in a while. And she's not in the art room. She does find Kale's notebook, which is full of bear drawings. And also a sketch of Rhea. And you can't see her hands. Oh, it's true. (laughs) Oh, it's the perfect angle. Yeah, we can only see the very tops of her wrists. And even if that picture continues down and you like that would be an easy hand shape to kind of fake based on the way that. Rhea is holding a book. Oh my god. Dark. I have unlocked the dark fruit. Panda's conspiracy continues. And we cut to Kale and Yurieka playing piano and singing together in the music room. Because over time, Kale and Yurieka had fallen for the same girl. (laughs) They were too similar in the end. (sighs) And uh, we pick up chapter 20 with the trashiest girl. Alice, you, you you have to do this one because it'll be most awkward for you. She does have the hair that is most the hair I would want to have. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that there was a Kali backstory chapter. I should have held my thoughts until afterward. Oh, yeah, buddy. To be fair, well, like the, the whole manga it. is essentially a Kali backstory. <laughs> so we... We splash page this time. Well, I guess it's not technically a splash page, but no, it's we, kind of we the start uh, in panel res. <laughs> we have Kari is a small child with a big old bear, and she has the thought as a child drawing things that the human form is transient, which is a very small <laughs> child thing to think, obviously. The um, human form is transient. Which no apparently lasts which all appa- this dust. <laughs> which apparently she's thought her like basically she she became aware of her surroundings, and then she just decides that she's a bear. Just there you go. When she told adults about being a bear, they laughed at her, and they think it's just that she's a, like you know she's a little kid. Okay, are, are we allowed to be mean to Kale now? She's literally neurodivergent and a minor. minor. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! I'm so sorry. We, we live in hell. I'm allowed to make this joke. <laughs> All right, man. The meme before you has been prepared. <laughs> yeah. Darvet, Gajalan, Sinagra, neurodivergent, and a minor, unaccountable for. 
Okay, so Kali grows up in 17. So, like, the only thing we needed to know for her being a kid is that she thought she was bears, the human form is transient, and no one believes her, which is about enough to really get her. Is Kali other kin? <laughs> I mean, I thought this not, a lot during these chapters. She's not not an other an other kin. An underkin. Underkin. <laughs> is that like when you're other kin, but you think that you're from Undertale? I don't know. Yes. Um, yes, it is. Um, Anyway, so she still thinks she's a bear because she's Kali. And the longer she continues to believe this, the more she feels like she can actually, like, actually see things. Which, as a sidebar, this both is and is not a real thing in the sense that you can very easily, essentially, condition yourself into thinking or or noticing things which may not actually be present. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have a very long time to do it, I do not think you could do it to this extent. I mean, medical lycanthropy is a thing, so. But I, but the underlying idea is very much real. Mm-hmm. It was only supposed. She reveals that she was only supposed to enter. That this idea was kind of only supposed to entertain her. Like that, her attachment to it has always been ironic. Mm-hmm. But she's kind of just convinced. Like her brain has just convinced itself that this is true now. I may not be a human who thinks she's a bear. I may be a bear that thinks she's a human. She's sort of going through, like, different levels of arguing with herself on, like, a philosophical level. Holly woke up one day to discover that she was a large bear. Oh, God, she's... Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Strictly, I don't know, would that make make Kafka worse or better? (laughs) But is she a bear dreaming she is a human? Or a A human human dreaming dreaming she is a bear? bear? Yeah, so we, we get her just like she decides there's no doubt she is a bear. She just kind of gives up trying to keep the distinction separate. And also when she is this little chibi simplified version, she looks like Temi. <laughs> a little bit. The, the, who made the music for Undertale and also streams now. That just occurred to me. So <laughs> she's all that changes when she sees the one girl in the world who's a human. And is immediately smitten. Zero to sixty. <laughs> And then we kind of go, we flash forwards towards Eureka and her are discussing the fact that they are both in love with Rhea. And uh, Eureka is like, in other words, you fell in love with Leia Kai. Love? Isn't that nice? It's the first time you've liked someone, isn't it? A little late, but still your first love. There's, I can't tell if, like, there's just, there's gotta, I want to hear this. Because there has to be a tone. There, I want to know how she's uh, saying. I, I think she's teasing. Yeah, her I was face I think the way her face is drawn. Yeah, her face. It's definitely teasing. But I also like. I feel like she's also putting her like self deprecating, putting herself down, and thinking of herself like you know. Oh, absolutely. She's uh, she's like kind of over protecting herself to yeah. like yeah. cover up how much she probably is actually like a little bit upset by this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who wouldn't be like my weird friend who I have a toxic physical relationship with also likes the same girl as me. And that girl hasn't showed a definitive interest in either of us. Spe- oh, no. Speaking of uh, toxic relationships, Eureka points out when Kawe is like, she's not my first. Eureka points out that until now, Eureka's interest in other girls has been entirely physical or conspiratorial. Like, for instance, Eureka and her were conspiratorial. And so, like, her, this, the reason why this is so different for her is because it is neither of these things. 
She is not in cahoots with Rhea, nor has she had an opportunity to be physical with Rhea. And so it is a very different experience. Mm-hmm. So we get her trying to find Rhea in the music room. She's not oh, in the music sorry. room. She's, she's not, not in the not garden. In the and that must mean she's at the shooting range. Like mother, like daughter. Because apparently it's genetic. <laughs> yeah, she's from a family of the... Oh god, she just yeah, turned okay. into Kureha in these panels, though. She does look mm-hmm. almost identical to Kureha. Be- mostly because her one defining feature is her ginormous eyes, which are, like, oh, not ginormous when she's aiming through a rifle sight. Mm-hmm. That is a very expensive rifle sight. Holy shit, that thing... Yeah. Why um, is it a bolt action? Because that's how all show rifles are. So... She is apparently really good, and Eureka is delighted by this, and Kari is also watching. So this is love, and she's <laughs> just like really st- just stupidly being like. There's a whole like three panel thing of her like clutching her chest and going ah, dying of love, trying to like compose herself. Please shoot me with your bullet. <laughs> Oh, I can't do that. I'm only 17, so I can't hold a license or a real gun. Oh my god! Completely (laughs) unable to understand. This panel is so funny. I love it so much. (laughs) I I can't hold a gun license, so I can't murder you in the way you've requested. (laughs) Well, I mean, Yuriega's like immediately like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah, I love her. Oh god, I just realized Yuriega is being the Lulu in this scenario, isn't she? I, I mean, she's got the, the bit, wavy yeah. hair. I about to say, oh, yeah. Oh my god. It's like... I'm hurting. Eureka, you're so serious. So are you, aren't you? Of course I meant it. And we get this, like, literally there are sparkles in the panel. Mm-hmm. Of course I meant it. Every life must face its end. I'm going to die someday, so I wanted to be at the hands of my darling, Rhea. Which, okay. <laughs> Every time she talks, like, there are literal sparkles in the, um... Mm-hmm. And, and the text box and Curia just and Curia's mom, who is definitely not—that's definitely not Curia, but she just might as well be Curia again. It's just absolutely just casual about everything. Oh, Kale, you say the funniest things. And Eureka's horrified because she's a, the anti-Lulu. You perverts are out of your minds. Well, she, I mean, specifically, Kale says she wants Rhea to make her into a stuffed bear. <laughs> yeah. Please shoot me. No way. I want to be with you forever, right, Eureka? And we get them together. We get the three hands sort of all together. It's definitely not a a moments before disaster kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they they vow to to stay together forever. Yep. It's It's both precious and heartbreaking. The polycule none of us wanted, but we all deserve, I guess. I mean, I I like to think that Collar would grow in that relationship. I think I mean, she really, could. Yeah, I think she could. Otherwise, I would say Eureka and Rhea yeah. should just go off by there. Yeah. I mean, it seems like she's probably going to because she's encountered someone who is apparently just has some degree of immunity to her whole thing. Exactly. <laughs> like, we'll actually maybe push her to just outside of her box quite literally in this case. Mm-hmm. So we have, later on, Eureka and Rhea are buying pink velvet ribbon. Um, you're, I'm sorry, Yurika is buying Rhea pink velvet ribbon for her birthday. And Kali has a narration about how even though they're all, they say they'll be friends forever, they aren't really kids anymore. Mm-hmm. Kali, this is where they, we get the star pendant, because Kali is getting Rhea the star pendant for her birthday. She says it's cheap, 
but it's a start. Eureka protests. That's not cheap. It's made of literal gold. <laughs> it's she says it's pure gold. So like, okay. I feel um, wouldn't that be like kind of heavy? Yes, it would be. I don't know anything about gold. I think we should pick out our rings together. I decided that I'm going to propose to and marry Rhea. I was like, that was pretty damn quick. <laughs> so even though Rhea went home to spend her birthday with her family, Kali just decided to go see her because apparently she says she just got fuck you money. She's got a party crash. I mean, she is the Yurishiro heir. So she, has, she has already bought an, a, a cheap, what she thinks of as a cheap trinket, which is solid gold. She wonders if a bullet train would be faster than taking a taxi, which objectively, yes, it would be. It's a bullet train. That's why it's called a bullet train. <laughs> it's a, called a bullet train because it goes fast like a bullet. Like a love bullet. Yurika protested. She doesn't even think Kale and Rhea could get married. Uh, Kale points out that's the 21st century. She's sure they can figure something out, which does Japan have same-sex marriage as no. a sidebar? Uh, they, yeah, they have. I know that there I, is a thing you can do that is a domestic partnership that has some legal benefits, but that's a newer thing. Mm-hmm. Especially at the time this manga was published, legally, there is nothing on the books for same-sex marriage. If you're going to get married to your partner in Japan, you have to leave the country and like go to Sweden or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, we need to send Oberfell over to, um, over to <laughs> Nippon. <laughs> Whichever one of them was the one that wasn't bad. Anyway, so they're sure they could figure something out. And besides, Kali doesn't care about whether it's quote unquote proper. Well, I think Yurieko is asking, like, you can't, or saying you can't marry her because you are already engaged to marry my brother. Yeah, who cares? Whatever. <laughs> Which, like, you know. I haven't seen him in a panel. He's not real. Fair enough. In, in fairness, like, yeah, I, I can't really doubt Kali's decision not to marry the guy who we know nothing about and she doesn't want to marry anyway. It's very mm-hmm. reasonable because essentially what she's saying is that she'll like have her actual partnership of of, of romance and passion on the side like a, like you know every other aristocrat. Are you saying that she won't give up on love? Yes. <laughs> I think that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that would indeed be the, the implication there. So they get they board a bullet train. Kawaii tells Yurika that this is great. It will be romantic because being proposed to you on your birthday is romantic and Rhea will never forget it. Yurika thinks it's just going to cause a lot of trouble because for Rhea and her family, which you put out in your notes here that, yeah, she's outing Rhea to her whole family, which I don't think they mentioned, but I immediately thought of as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that – I don't know 100% if that was – part of what is supposed to be going on here but that was definitely my first thought <laughs> causing problems for her family like i mean there's there's a number of problems here yeah like, that's that's level one yeah is you're getting yeah. outed which might not be the worst thing because like if you know Rhea's outing herself she's not necessarily or uh, Kali's outing herself she's not necessarily outing Rhea beyond that's however true. Rhea chooses to respond well oh, sure but the the real level t- the level two and level to level twenty here is I you are a rich bitch going to propose to a family's daughter and you have never met any of these people you haven't even come over for dinner yet mm-hmm. and you are basically rolling up and going like hey I know your kid is like you know at an age where she might be dating or interested in other people but. I've decided to propose to her in front of all of you on her birthday in a way that's a little bit 
it would be very sweet if she had been invited to this particular thing, mm-hmm. but would be yeah. but is very shitty that she's just kind of crashing the party. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not her fault. She doesn't have object permanence. <laughs> no, yeah. she does not. Uh, so yeah. We get she's this. literally neurodivergent and oh no wait she's no longer a minor <laughs> now she's accountable for her actions oh, before no. god so we, we get finally Eureka being like okay I'm sorry Eureka is complaining so Kali's like you can just go home if you want and she's like as if I could I like Rhea too you know and we get the blunt no frills admission of I know Eure- she knew about Eureka's feelings and thought that Yurika would forgive her for jumping the gun. She had always been a little weak to my whims. But she just assumes that, like, she can get whatever she wants, and, like, Yurika will always stand by her. And it's... You have here harsh, but honestly, she's not wrong. She's not wrong in the sense... Yeah, because she's not wrong in the sense that, yeah, probably. I mean, it's literally happening. Yeah. Damn. It's just very sad. That's I can't imagine of thinking of another person that way. That's just weird. That just makes me my skin crawl, especially someone that like I mean they have an intimate relationship of mm-hmm. at least some kind. That just mm-hmm. ugh, that just weirds me out. Yeah, yeah, it definitely rubbed me the wrong way. It's just one of those kind of hints that it's like, oh, she really needs like Colleen knows that she's garbage. Yeah, and she's content to be that way because I mean. Why wouldn't she be? She's I mean, getting she's, what she wants. She has not received any punishment for any of her actions. Like, yeah, what was her home life like? Jeez. <laughs> so it turns out that when they get there is a town way in the mountains, surrounded by forests. It's a very tiny little place. So they just kind of wander into town and hear church bells ringing, and they're like, "Oh, I wonder if someone's getting married," for ominously, and <laughs> Rhea happens to see them. As they're wandering towards the, uh, running around the church, and they turn around and she's there in a wedding dress, and they ask, they came all this way to celebrate her birthday. Yurik is like, "Why do you look like a bride?" And Rhea tells them that she was surprised with a proposal. The guy said the same thing Kali said about it being romantic to get married to her on her birthday. Kali is devastated. I agree with your note that I would also like two different occasions for presents. Yeah, I don't think it's romantic to get proposed to no, on your birthday because then, like, I mean, well, I mean, I don't think it's romantic to get married on your birthday because then, like, it's not your day anymore. Your wedding anniversary and your birthday are on the same day, so everybody's just going to be like, "Oh, I got you a present for both occasions." Like, I'm no, be real with you, like, they need to be six months apart. Give no, me many no. presents. I, I disagree with all y'all. I absolutely would love to get married on my birthday. Fine, you can get married on your birthday. I already married <laughs> the two of you. It's not the same. We are legally already on paper married. You we can do it again. <laughs> we could we can we could like transitive property the date over to your birthday. There you go. It's just about to say, like if we hold a ceremony on the nineteenth, then uh if you have a marriage with no one there and can you hear it? <laughs> So, Kawe is immediately devastated and destroyed forever. And when Ray arrived in her hometown, she fell in love with a fir- with a at first sight with a young man and married him. And we kind of get a we get the box again. It's got a lid this time. We get sort of her thinking about, please shoot me. No way. I don't want to be with. I want to be with you forever. And then 
she emerges from the box looking much, much meaner than before. Rhea betrayed me. That's why I have to eat her. Kumashok. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, and, and also the splash page for 21, it shows us that this whole time, Ginko has been in an idol band. Oh, it's yeah, adorable. I love live, like bear live, if one wills. I, I, I actually love the comment that Panda's left in her notes here that this looks like the girls from uh, Uma Musume, but bears. Yeah. Oh. I learned a cursed Uma Musume fact, and I cannot share it because it will bog down the recording. Moving forward. Okay. We live in fear. We live in fear. We live in trembling. So we are now in the mind void. Of poor Kale, who is just going absolutely berserk, <laughs> growling and going, I'm gonna eat Rhea. Uh, and Yurieka just turns around because she is also in bear space and goes, Oh, hey, long time no see. Last time we met was at your wedding. So some time has passed. Yep. This is the weirdest way of delivering that information. <laughs> I know, this is this is Piki Kuhara. Mm. And Kale's just like, Wait, I got married? Oh, yeah, you married my brother. Oh, yeah, now I remember. Perfect timing. I just got a message from Rhea. She says she's pregnant. Four months and so long. Pregnant. Yurika says she's pregnant too. Oh, God. Yeah. So Kali's pregnant. Yeah. Look, Kali's been very busy thinking about being a bear. Okay. She's got got shit to do. So Kali goes over and we get a little shot of her going over to uh, Rhea's house as the bear. And. Rhea's house is very nice, by the way. And she's like, oh, why the sudden visit? Oh, did your idea I could tell you to come along and visit me? I'm so glad I'll put on some tea. Caffeine is bad for the baby, so how about herbal tea? And as the panels go on, we get Kali's self-perception of her... Her perception of herself shifts back to a human state. Back when she had longer hair, apparently. And she just lunges forward and grabs Rhea. And it looks to me like she's pulling her in for a kiss. Yeah, that's, that is what it looks like. And Rhea just slaps her back and goes like, oh, careful. And the two of them fall over and Rhea immediately goes like, oh, are you okay? How's your stomach? At which point she goes to wrap her hands around Rhea's neck and maybe strangle her. And she thinks to herself, I killed Rhea and her child, which... Well, that ain't right. Uh, that that can't be right. But we'll <laughs> we'll have to get back to that later. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, back in the present, uh, Sumika and Kuriha are babysitting Ginko, and apparently Ginko still has a fever. So it looks like Ginko just basically caught a pretty nasty bug from being out in the rain. This is not dissimilar from. There's a. Ginko has a fever bit in the Yuri Kuma anime that I think yeah. they're sort of like trying to echo here. Yep. And that was also one of the first bits in the anime where anime Kureha realizes she's attracted to Ginko. Mm-hmm. And while the two of them are kind of like, you know, fussing over Ginko, Sumika brings up the fact I can't tell if it's Sumika or Kureha. I, they are, oh, they're at Sumika's house, so it's Kureha speaking. She mentions, like, hey, I'm sorry I dropped in without warning, but Ginko said she didn't want to go home no matter what. So Ginko's trying to avoid her her family home. Sumika kind of goes, I mean, I don't mind, but I'm sure her family's worried about her. And Kuriha just goes like, uh, yeah, Yurika's out on a business trip and Ginko's mom lives abroad, and I have no idea what Lulu's doing. Fortuitously, 
At which point, Suiga just gets a text message and says, Hey, uh, Lulu's with Ginko's entire family. (laughs) (laughs) We get a very, very... God damn it. ...cheeky panel shot of Lulu just going like, I'm going to melt. It's all three of these panels are, it's Lulu saying she's going to melt and Kale saying it feels so good. <laughs> and Yurieka saying this isn't the time for this. And the way that it's set up in just these panels, like it's very zoomed in on their heads and you're supposed to like think something spicy is going on. But yeah. of course, that's not the case. God damn it. And yeah, they're, they're all in a fucking kasatsu. That's the joke. I mean, I wish I do wish I had one of those still. Yeah. I, me too. Mm-hmm. Every time. It's a very, very dumb joke, but I'm, I'm going to be real. It got me. <laughs> I remember laughing the first time I saw that. I'm not sure about the wisdom of doing this joke right after making the point of like, hey, it was kind of fucked up that Kale just like began to sexually touch a minor without realizing it because she's so out of touch with reality but on the other hand it's funny all things in moderation yeah at which point yurieka is the old as per usual is playing the straight man here and just goes like uh lulu why do why do you have kali's kotatsu in your room to which lulu just goes like oh yeah i have a bunch of her stuff because they've made it back to japan they're at yeah they're they're at ginko's house and Lulu's just like, oh yeah, I have a bunch of her stuff. Ginko was going to throw all this stuff out, so I just took it. And Eureka's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. To which Lulu like goes, Ginko's trash is my treasure. And we get little shots of like all of the things she has just hoarded. And fortunately, <laughs> when she says trash, she means literally trash. She's got a, bo- a used water bottle that Ginko drank, tissue that Ginko blew her nose with. One of Ginko's socks with a hole in it. And Yurieka's just like, I, I get the feeling that her brain is going like, oh God, is this what I used to look like? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, no. Yep. But Lulu has found one useful thing in her hoarding, which is the star pendant, uh, which causes Kare and, y- and Yurika to look at each other like, uh, very knowingly. Mm-hmm. And they kind of go like, I didn't know it was still here. And they mention it was the proof of the love that both Kale and Rhea had for each other. And uh, Lulu says, let's visit Sumika. Sumika. Lady Kumaria. So you can return it to Leia. Which I think is just supposed to, in this version of the story, be a pun. I'm not sure. Because, like, I I think the idea here is, like, Kumaria. She's a, yeah. She's like a saint. Oh yeah, Kumaria yeah, playing instead off, of like, a Kumajo. Instead of a Kumajo, she's Kumaria. Okay, I'll that accept that. I had, I figured, I knew they were playing off the Kumajo thing, but yeah, I never thought of the Maria, but that makes sense. Yep. So Lulu texts uh, Kareha, "Hey, we're coming over, so we can meet Raya." At which point, Kareha's like, "Excuse me, why is everyone talking about seeing my dead mom?" <laughs> right. <laughs> why are you all attacking me right in my trauma? Sumika kind of goes to like whisper an explanation in Kureha's ear and uh, Ginko I guess has overheard some of this even though she's still very feverish and she's like you know my mom is going to come here but why? why? Yeah and so we cut to Yurieka driving the gang down the road in a very nice convertible (laughs) looking absolutely like 
the mom who is five minutes away from pulling into the McDonald's drive-thru and ordering a single black coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, that She's definitely, on, on the triangle, she's definitely there. No, for sure. Yeah. We both Lulu and Kale are firmly in the McDonald's, McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so she just goes like, Lulu's kind of filling her in that Sumika will help us meet Rhea even though she's dead, like she did with me and Milne. And yep, we get confirmation. I was absolutely right. Sumika isn't a bear witch. She's a Lady Kumaria. She's a Kumacho. She's a Kumaria. This is another reason they probably should have kept the Japanese there, because this this pun does not work without it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At which point, Yurieka very understandably is like, are you sure you weren't dreaming? I was awake. She also tells Lulu to sit down and buckle her seatbelt. <laughs> yep. It's very, very funny. And Kali kind of breaks in with, like, Rhea isn't anywhere to be found. She ceased to exist. That's what death is. But... In any case, she took care of Ginko, so let's thank her and take Ginko and Kureha home. Sumika opens the door and welcomes everyone back, and greets Yurieka as Miss Hakanaka, which is, I think, like, the first time any character's, like, addressed her by her surname so far. No, yeah. yeah. Yep. And Kali is just like, oh, wow, Rhea really is here. And Lulu corrects her, that's Sumika. Oh, that she kind of looks like Rhea. Now that you say that, it's not so much her looks, but her aura, says Eureka. I thought of this scene when you guys yeah. were talking about how much she looked like Sumika. I, I'm not gonna lie. It's the giant eyes. Yeah. And Sumika invites everyone into the Bates Manor, which is... Just lovingly detailed in the background of, like, a very tiny top right corner panel. And Mm -hmm. I love how it manages to look... This is, like, one of the few horror movie shots of this manga. Where I'm like, this is absolutely the house where someone murders you. And as Yurieka and Kale go in, they are shocked to hear Rhea's playing the piano. And Rhea turns away from the piano and calls to them, saying she hasn't seen them in forever. And we get another of those little shots of Kale's entire self-perception shifting between being a human and being a bear. And she just runs to Rhea and screams and cries into her lap, asking why she didn't shoot her back then. Because she didn't want to eat her. I wanted you to shoot me. You're selfish as always. Says Ginko, who has just kind of wandered in, still feverish. Wobbling. In fact, she's so unsteady that she falls on her butt almost as soon as she gets into the room, is only to float up into pants? the air. No. She's not wearing pants, is she? Okay, I just wanted to confirm. Like, those aren't leggings. No. I can't tell. No, she's not wearing think... pants. She's not wearing pants. This is the... This is, she's wearing would... exactly what she was wearing in the anime when she got sick. Whomst among us would, if we had the option. You know, fair, actually. Yeah. But yeah, Ginko is like pulled up into the air by some unknown ghostly force, which pretty overtly supernatural goings on here, if you ask me. This is the ghost house. I guess. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to make of the moment that Ginko rises up off the ground. Yeah, this, this these chapters went places, honestly. Like we yeah. got a lot more abstract imagery and then this, like Ginko like visualizes being essentially like unborn turning back into a baby in her mother's stomach and, like, ceasing to exist. Which I'm assuming is because she's kind of being drawn back into her own world of memories from, like, very Mm -hmm. early childhood. Yeah. 
I kind of wish that she had turned into a bear fetus. I know, I know. that I know that at this stage they don't really look that different, but but <laughs> I, I I wish she had just turned into a tiny I little did. baby bear. Yeah, it would have been very funny. It reminds me of um the Promised Neverland. Oh yeah, with what's his face? I'm the Sasuke looking one, who's much better than Sasuke. I'm I sorry, I mean I don't remember because I used to just call him Ray, Sasuke. I think. There's because there's Norman. Yeah, Ray. No, Ray. Ray, yeah. I, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. Yeah, like him like, having memories in the womb, like, and remembering, like, you know, all the goings on from when, you know, he was not really, like, yeah. born yet. Speaking of uncomfortable memories that reveal that people close to you might be murderers, <laughs> we cut back to Kale strangling Rhea, and. It's difficult to tell if this is Kale or Ginkgo. If this is, these are Ginkgo's thoughts. Oh yeah, this is our Ginkgo. Yeah, because it says Mama and Larea. A memory from inside the womb. Yeah, this is some David Lynch shit. I can't even remember stuff from when I was in kindergarten, and Ginkgo can remember when she was in the womb. Yeah. Right. So she remembers Kale going to strangle Rhea, and then instead of actually strangling her, pulling her hands back handing Rhea her rifle and asking, begging her to shoot her. Please, Rhea, shoot me. And she just kind of begs, you know, if you love me even a little, please kill me. And Ginkgo mentions that she felt her mother's hatred and sadness and the love that she couldn't get rid of. And then a flood of light just fills her little world. And we get on the next page, Rhea just goes, yeah, I'm not going to shoot you. I want you and your child to live. And she kind of leans into Kale's internal problems a little bit by saying, Mama bears have an amazing power to survive. Even if they're shot or deeply wounded, they'll put their lives on their line to save their cubs. And Kale has probably the most selfless thought she's had in years as she clicks that she's about to have a kid. Have you guys ever seen Moral Oral? Never. Yes. Okay. Well, then, Alice, I, you may or may not uh, remember this scene, but there's a scene where the character Stephanie, who works at the, like, piercing place, after she meets Oral for the first time and he, like, leaves her place of business, she's like, oh, maternal pangs. Gotta go give myself a piercing to get rid of that. And yes. this is kind of the same energy that I feel <laughs> about Kale having this like one maternal feeling. <laughs> Whoa. I, oh my I god. That, I hope that eventually my estradiol hits the point where I too experience the collective emotion of cis women. No, it's okay. You can just go you can, you can go hang out with uh, first graders all day like I had to do work and then you will then you will never want a kid again no no i i want to like experience the the feeling of wanting a kid even though i don't want a kid kids are because i'll know that my hormones are finally in balance current kids are the worst (laughs) also the um that character from moral oral is the best but yeah ginkgo ginkgo remembers a familiar warmth and a gentle light and she remembers feeling Kureha because she the first time she felt close to Kureha was literally in the womb as their mothers embraced. Ikuhara knows how to make women do two things, and one of them is lay naked in a yin-yang position yeah. opposite yep. each other. Precisely. Yep. And 
Rhea kind of encourages Kali to live for the sake of the children they're carrying. And Ginkgo kind of clicks, oh yeah, I have prenatal memories. I guess. That's weird. Just a normal one. I mean, we've already established this is just a, like a, a, a side quote cool to Dune. Yeah, we had that great picture of tiny baby Yiko doing the whole Blesses Baker's Walker. Water yeah, thing. I'm going to post that when the previous episode to this goes up, because that's yep. that's when you guys made that joke. Yeah, so Ginko remembers that one of the first things that was said to her by Rhea was reminding her that she and Kale would love Ginko and Kureha forever, which is might actually be one of the only positive interactions that Ginko ever had with her birth mother. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow, what a chapter run. Yeah. It, it was pretty intense. And like, especially at the end of that last chapter, I think it's probably the closest I've ever gotten to having sympathy for Kale. Like, I think she's definitely someone who has a lot of like mental health issues and obviously stuff that she's work like no i can't say she's working on it but she has stuff she's going through <laughs> and, she, she, you know, she's got some issues she's got some it makes her interesting characters to a point but it does frustrate me like you know we'll see how it plays out the rest of the manga but yeah. it's interesting to get yurika's backstory and her backstory and just see how how self-aware yurika is and, like, the limited degree of self-awareness Kale has, but, like, doesn't yeah. care how she doesn't care about other people. Which I just, yeah. I have a hot take. Hot take, hot take. I like this better than the backstory stuff with Yurieka and Rhea mm. in the anime. Oh, I would agree. This is a lot more interesting. Well, I also, yeah. for me, like, it's, it's just... The parallel of the trio and there being the the previous trio is just very specifically like my shit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like I just prefer and it it always felt weird and disjointed the Kare character in the anime because like yeah. he's not connected to anybody and yeah. taking this person and them being we also we never see Ginko's mom like it's just. There, there are things about yeah. this that I well, like the execution of. Ginko's an orphan in the anime. Exactly. Yeah, like she, she's literally a foundling uh, pauper. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, so I, I like this. I am not going to comment on whether or not I like it better than the anime version because I think it will hurt me if I admit the truth, which is that I, I'm just going to admit the truth. I also like this better as an arc than the episode arc for Eureka in the anime. Mm-hmm. I still like the anime better overall. Yeah, yeah. But I, I kind of have to give it to the manga that if this was the point where I realized in my initial read-through for this recap thing we're doing, that I was going to actually really love the manga. <laughs> I I, I kind of have this realization of like, oh, it's it's good. I didn't Good. think we were going to get this far deep into all of their backstories, to be honest. Yeah, I was rereading these. I was reminded why I was like, this is the shit I wanted to talk about. Like, it's really interesting. And like you said, Pan, like the parallels between the main trio and this trio, just like thematically, it's a lot tighter and more complex too. like, I think the way and manga lends itself that way too to the oh, kind of superiority of feelings and like 
the yearning and kind of playing with those like Yuri tropes. Yeah. This would not work nearly as well in animated form in some ways because a lot of yeah. it is the artist. Oh, that too. Ikuhara's yeah. writing is good, but it's really the artist who's doing a lot of the heavy lifting here with the abstract imagery and some of the subtle expressions that mm. the characters have in various panels. Like Absolutely. if this were if this were not a manga, I don't think it would work quite as well. Yeah. I think I agree. It would not. They're able to go a lot more in depth too with those feelings. Like we wouldn't really get these much it wasn't that long an anime. We wouldn't get that much kind of insight. Exactly. Especially backgrounds. It this definitely wouldn't have worked in a twelve episode an- or uh however thirteen I don't know how many episodes. 13, yeah, even even allowing that anime can compress some chapters, like you would lose a lot. You would get like an episode maybe for each of like Kale and Eureka. And yeah. it just wouldn't it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as successful. I mean, mm-hmm. again, I'm 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 looking forward to revisiting the end of the manga how things wrap up because mm-hmm. if memory serves, I think I holistically I think the anime is a lot more cohesive. But this this manga is able to go places and explore so many complex feelings that I mean we've all talked about, especially being young and queer and just like finding this relationship. And yeah, it might not be good, but it's what you got. Like it's really real. And yeah, it's, I'm yeah, I'm kind of destroyed by how much this manga has really hit me in terms of like being specifically about toxic relationships in the way it is Mm -hmm, and about the kind of toxic things that parents can pass on to children intentionally or unintentionally Mm -hmm. i i feel like of all of the things that helped me appreciate the manga getting what the new metaphor for the invisible storm was was what helped me the most it was sort of the Rosetta Stone that unlocked yeah. the rest of the manga. Yeah. Once you understand that it's an, unlike the anime, the Invisible Storm isn't social pressure; it's more internal pressure. Mm-hmm. Then you you have a complete understanding of why the manga. You know why is the why are they not literal bears in the manga? Mm-hmm. Well, because the manga is about the internal worlds of these characters and using the bareness as an internal metaphor rather than like an external sort of like abstraction of something Mm -hmm. you know why is you know this this way why is this that way you know why is the world a little more grounded than the world of the anime and you lose some of that really lovely surreality that it has because if it weren't a little more grounded then the whole thing would kind of fall apart yeah that's a great point and especially with the bears bear imagery specifically i mean i think it's so powerful especially with seeing kale's backstory like how much she just like how much that's been passed on to ginkgo mm-hmm. and how much ginkgo's kind of like wrestling with it in ways she doesn't quite understand because she didn't come up with these like you know this coping mechanism this you know mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it herself right she inherited it from her mom like kind of actively pushing this self-delusion or self-coping mechanism this way of like just protecting herself i think but in a way that just shuts her off from others mm-hmm. yeah and Gekko really doesn't want to be that way and it's really hard to see in many ways and you know i don't think kali necessarily wants to be that way either but i also don't think she's inclined to change which yeah. is really just sad and frustrating kali kind of believes that she is beyond the ability to change which mm-hmm. is man that's a a mood sometimes especially generationally like we see that a lot i think Mm -hmm. you know there's just some things you know your parents grandparents would be like well i can't change and it's just like but but we're human we always have the capacity to change and grow Mm -hmm. absolutely well i think it's time that we uh 
did the outro. Did the outro. Now now that we're all sad. Yeah. We all have the capacity to change. It's gonna get better for at least some characters in this manga. It's gotta. <laughs> Is it gonna be Eureka? Spoiler alert! No! Not really, but that's my take. We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll be curious to revisit it, if I'm honest, but I think I'm still going to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you could do that at Oots and a Cast. And if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you could do that at Impandanata. Alice, where can people find you online? If they really want to, and they are stuck on Hellsite, they can find me at Lyrewolf, L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. I am in the prison where the bird lives. <laughs> I know why the caged bird tweets. Oh god. God damn it. He has a take and a thread emoji and it's 87 posts. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much. I love you. Yes, where where can people find the podcast that you and Alice do? You can find Big Steppy wherever fine podcasts are listenable, but you can find specifically our Twitter account for the podcast at Steppycast on Twitter. And Abby, uh, should you wish to be found, where can people find you online? You can find me also on the hell site, twitter.com and Instagram at Abby Say Swords. That's A-B-B-Y Say Swords. And if you would like to support the show, you can do that at utinacast.com. That's where our Patreon is. And I am floating ideas for a new pin for patrons uh if you have any ideas suggestions requests i you know i'm going to make no promises but if you would be interested in getting a pin and have an idea of what kind of pin you would like you could let me know and um you know i'll that'll probably happen sometime this year at the very least i'm also keeping my eye on what they're doing as far as official merch for the anniversary this year so you know we'll just see how that goes you can get in contact with us at imagine at gmail.com or you can fill out the google form that's in our pinned tweet and that's that's where i'm gonna cut it off today because i have thai food that is waiting for me gal gal Look for the bare necessities.